oftentimes we find ourselves in in this follow in the following situation we ask ourselves you know why isn't allah answering my dua you know i'm a i'm a good person i do the things that i'm supposed to do you know why don't i have the things that i'm asking allah for uh, why don't i have this relief or that relief or why has this bad thing happened to me despite the fact that i'm a good person we have this kind of dialogue all of us we all go through this we always have this this dialogue and for some of us this can lead to despair you end up giving up hope altogether you know what's the point someone will ask and and people have come to me and they say oh, what's the point you know why should we even pray uh why should we do the things that islam tells us to do that the prophet sallam taught us to do it doesn't seem that there's any use it's not working or you know if everything is predestined and and uh, it's all written in the book you know as as we say in islam what's the point of of doing this or doing that now sometimes those questions they're they're healthy because you can uh intervene and you can sort of work through the details but for some people unfortunately like i said they become in a state of despair and they give up and some people of that small subgroup they'll give up on religion altogether and they'll leave islam altogether they'll leave belief in god altogether and this is not just a muslim thing but this is just the, the way of the modern world people will just leave religion altogether you know what's the point well god doesn't answer my prayers why do bad things happen to good people uh there must be no god god is not just if god is just why do these bad things so on and so forth and we start to to think down that line and this is part of the human condition because when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created adam alayhi salam you know one of the reasons why we're called insan is because we have nisyan because we forget and there's no it's not accident that these two words are are related with the same letters insan and nisyan So one of the reasons why the insan is the insan, you know, bani insan in Arabic is because we have the tendency to forget. We have the tendency to give up. We have the tendency to come short. And that's why in our tradition we have these moments like Juma, etc. to remind us. So this is a normal normal human occurrence that we might sort of think like this. but when the ulama they came to analyze this particular situation is it why do some people give up hope when something bad happens this is how the ulama think about this subject immediately they say because the people that give up hope when bad things happen is because they are relying on their actions and their ibadah they're not relying on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is essentially a paraphrasing of the famous statement of Ibn Ata'illah as-Sakandari who was one of the great you know saints uh, of Islam and he has a collection of of wisdoms or aphorisms called al-hikam al-hikam al-ata'iyya and this is how he begins his his uh, list min alamat niqsan ar-rija' 'inda 'inda wujud az-zalal min a'timad al من اعتماد من علامات الاعتماد على العمل نقصان الرجاء عند وجود الزلل from the signs that you are relying on your actions is that when bad things happen you give up hope this is a very beautiful statement that reminds us how we deal with the situation 
What does this mean that we rely on our actions and that we do not rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? One of the problems or the tendencies rather of a religion like Islam where it's a very legal religion is that the, the law stuff, the actions, the salah and the fiqh and the zakah and the hajj and it ends up becoming such a big part of our consciousness that we become obsessed with these things. And it becomes just a set of motions and mechanics and rules and we lose the spirit of the law. But in actuality, as you've heard me say time and time again, if you look at all of the verses in the Qur'an, for example, that speak to the, the issues of Sharia, we have 6,236 verses in the Qur'an. Only 300 of those verses speak to the Sharia, halal and haram. The rest of the Qur'an, 97% of the Qur'an, tell us stories and talk about belief. You know, like the verses we were hearing Anas read before prayer about Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you know, as a reminder. If you look at the hadith, we have about 60-80,000 hadith. Only 2,000 of these hadith have to do with the sharia. The rest of the hadith have to do with etiquette and manners and, you know, be good and, and be, play well and all of, with your neighbor, all of those things. But because the sharia is so uh, elaborately expressed, let's say, in Islam, we sometimes assume that that is all what Islam is. And one of the tendencies that happens is we end up focusing on these actions and we forget the whole point of the action in the first place. And I want to give you an example. The salah is a little bit difficult. Let me give you an example for the hajj. Let's say we went to the hajj and we wore some kind of wearable device like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch or something like that. And we counted all of our steps and all of our calories burned throughout the hajj. Okay? And then we'll take the same device and we'll go to Disney World and we'll do the same thing. And we'll stand in the lines in the heat and we'll ride the rides and all of those things. And we end up with the same exact steps, the same exact uh, calories burned. You know, and we print out the data sheet. Now, of course, no one of us, I hope, would say that the two are equal. If, if I came and told you I'm thinking of taking my children to Disney World during the holiday season, parent to parent, you probably would be like, that's not a good idea. You know, it's very crowded. You know, look at the app. It's all red. The lines are like super long. You know, go on the off season. Uh, try to, you know, try not to go. But if I told you I'm going to Hajj, oh, mashallah, and then within 24 hours you'll get emails of 10 pages of dua. Please make dua for this, and please, and everyone will be so excited. But it's the same activity. If you go to Hajj at times, to be honest, it doesn't feel very spiritual. You're sweaty and you're with a sea of people. Uh, hardly any two people speak the same language and everyone's got to do everything at the same time and it's very crowded and you know, you're, all you're thinking of is, is my camp going to be the camp that gets crushed this year in Hajj and all of these things. But the Prophet ﷺ said the person who goes on this Hajj and comes back as if the day that they were born. No sins. Nothing, no blemishes, zero. You start all over and it's a completion of your faith. But look at what that physical action took. Now, I could have the same physical action if I, like in this example, to go to a place like Disney World and stand in those lines and have the same type of physical, arduous activity. But I'm not going to come back from that trip the day that my mother bore me. I'll come back something else. Maybe I should have listened to the advice. I, that, that was it. Check. I'm never doing that again or something like that. But why do we do this hajj 
because it's linked to some kind of belief that we have. It's linked to the practice of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, Take from me the Hajj rites, the manasik of the Hajj. So going to Hajj and doing the things that we do at the times that we do is because the Prophet ﷺ did this and told us to do it. And that whole institution of Hajj, and this is just an example, is a reenactment of the sacrifice of our father Abraham and Ismail So there is something mightier that's attached to it. Now if you went to Hajj with this transaction in mind, I'm going to snap some pictures, I'm going to do this, I'm going to write about it, and you forget the bigger picture behind the Hajj, you're not going to get anything out of the Hajj. You're going to go and be like, oh, it's so disorganized, the Muslims are so dirty, this is why we're so bad, and you, you, you have this negative approach of the Hajj. And you complain and you complain, especially if you come from this part of the world where you know, we have nice lanes and super highways and you know, the aisles in the supermarket are big enough for you know, two, three people. We're used to that. But when you go to that part of the world in this very limited you know, area, even with all the fatwas that you follow, it's still very tight. You've got to have a lot of faith. Or <laughs> that's not going to make any sense. So what Ibn Ata'illah is saying in this example, if you go to the Hajj and you don't understand why you're going, the spirit behind that institution of the Hajj, you're not going to benefit from it. You're not going to gain from it. And the, the test is when something bad happens around you or to you, you know, God forbid, you give up hope. But I went to the Hajj last year. You know, why did I lose my job? I went to the Hajj last year. Why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? And we start to think like this. And this reminds us of this concept of taqwa. The Prophet Sallallahu said, At-taqwa ha-huna, at-taqwa ha-huna, at-taqwa ha-huna. Taqwa is here, it's in the heart. It's not something that you can measure or weigh. It's something that's on the inside. And when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala talks about these matters in the Qur'an, He always puts the taqwa first. So let us take this example of the Hajj. Allah Ta'ala, He tells you in the Hajj, you got to pack, فَتَزَوَّدُوا Pack your bags, but don't forget to pack your taqwa. This is what Allah is saying in Surah Al-Baqarah about the hajj. You're going to go on this hajj, you got to take your ihram, you got to take your antibiotics, you got to take your you know, uh, uh, plastic stuff, all the stuff you got to take, unscented soaps and all of these things, or they're given to you. You can't go to the hajj like this, you got to go with something, with a bag. Take food and provisions and your luggage, but the best provision you can pack that's going to weigh you nothing at the check-in counter, that's going to fit in the overhead compartment, in your camp, in your bunk bed, is that taqwa. And then for those that embark on this path of knowledge in Islam, the ulama, Allah says in the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, Be mindful of God, and then God will teach you. Allah does not say go out and study and pass your exams and then you will arrive at this unbelievable understanding. No, Allah Ta'ala puts the taqwa first. Because when I studied, we all saw this. There were many of us at the beginning and very few of us at the end. Not that I'm an example, but I'm saying I have observed this. That people when they go into study the sharia and these sciences or Quran or whatever, they have different nayas. You don't judge by what's on the outside. It's on what's the inside that matters. So Allah reminds you, Ittaqullah. Have this mindfulness of Allah, وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ Allah, And the rest of that 
knowledge will follow. And this issue about worshipping, relying on our actions, relying on our Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He summarizes this very beautifully in Surah Al-Hajj. When He says, There are people that they worship Allah on the edge. If something good happens, they're very happy. See, I prayed, and I do my zakah, and I went on hajj, so all of this good khair, you know, I got a bonus. My kids got married, or they graduated. So they tie this to that action. When asabahu musibah, but if something bad happens, they give up all hope and they lose the good of this life and the good of the hereafter. And this is the greatest loss, Allah says. The people that worship on the edge, transactionally, in our language. We don't want to worship Allah transactionally. We want to worship Allah because He's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because we believe in this message that has come to us. We believe in the messenger that has brought this message, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So we do this out of that belief. And if you do that out of that belief, you won't worship Allah on the edge. But you will understand that there's something bigger than your own understanding. You will understand, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There's no power, no ability except by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we are reminded by the, of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. He said, none of you will enter paradise by your actions. And they said, not even you, Ya Rasulullah. He said, not even me. Except if Allah envelops me completely with His mercy. No matter, this hadith really, it's one of those that you just keep saying it over and over in your mind. And you just, it's unbelievable that the Prophet ﷺ, who's constantly in ascent, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we say, Hadir uh, Nadir, the Prophet is alive and observant, even in his, in, in his passing. We don't say technically that the Prophet is dead. We say, Intaqala ila Rafiq al A'la. You know, he has gone to Rafiq al A'la. And the hadith of the Anbiya being alive, you know, it's another subject like in Imam al Bayhaqi and others is very famous. So all of this. Uh, exalted status of the Prophet even he is saying all of the actions that I do will not be enough transactionally to get me into the door of paradise but it's Allah's mercy that gets us in the door so don't rely on your actions he's not saying don't do the actions which is another fault that we can make well if if I listen to the khutbah and it's all about Allah's mercy I'm just going to rely on that I don't have to do anything that's the other side. Well, we don't want to be on this extreme or that extreme. Why do we do the action? Because ultimately, what is the source of this action? It's Allah. So you do the action, don't forget why you're doing the action. You worship Allah for Allah, not for, you know, a, a, a widget. You don't pray and be like, okay, where's my reward? I fasted, where's my reward? No, 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 we, that's not how it works. That's what Ibn Atta'Allah is saying. If you approach your actions of worship, whether they be prayer, fasting, sadaqah, the hajj, umrah, uh, service, uh, volunteering, anything that you do, that, that you put in the category of your deen life, if you rely on those actions, you will end up losing hope when the stuff hits the fan. But if you do those knowing that you're doing them, 
Because there's a bigger plan, that there's a bigger power, that there's a bigger source other than us, you will be content with everything that comes your way. You will be invincible. Because the Prophet said, Strange is the affair of the believer, because it's always good. Something good happens, they're grateful. Something bad happens, they're patient. And you always hear me say this statement. I think it's from Mike Tyson, Allah Adam. You know, we can say these things in the khutbah, it's okay. That uh, sometimes God wrecks your plans because your plans were going to wreck you. But he definitely said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. You know, no one plans for that. Sometimes Allah wrecks your plans because the plan that you had was going to lead to something even worse that you can't see. So the resilience that the believer has is knowing that thankfully we're not in control of those meta issues. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control. And in the actions part, and let me conclude with this, remember there are two types of actions. There, are, Let's call them secular actions, dunya actions, and religious actions. So if I came and I said I'm going to rebuild this mosque, you know, just trust me. Inshallah, the barakah of my hands will make the mosque. No, you, you should reject that because I have no engineering or architectural skills to speak of. You have to find somebody who's qualified. In the mosque where we used to pray Jummah in Cairo, it's near a tomb that's ascribed to Rabia al-Adawiyah, the famous female saint. And the, the sheikh used to always say, even if Rabia al-Adawiyah came right now and said we're going to fix up this mosque, we would tell her, no, you go back. And you, you know, to your khalwa and pray, we're going to get the, the architect. You know, even if it's the Christian architect to come and to build it for us. Because you have to have those actions and those skill set. This is not to negate those things. But after you do that, after you exert your skills and after you do your planning and then you try your best and you execute on your plan, at the very end, that's when you got to put your reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the taqwa has to kick in. I did everything I can. I studied, I worked hard, I planned, uh, I did everything that, that, I, that I have the capacity of doing right now. Tawakkaltu ala Allah. I put now my reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Action followed by that reliance. As a reminder not to rely on the action itself. And this way we can avoid falling in despair. Because there's nothing to be uh, fearful of. We are in safe hands. There's nothing to be worried about because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of planner. So even though there's all of this negativity, especially this week, there was so much negativity with the uh, incident in Florida and all of the, the, the horrors coming out of Syria and the children, it's easy to just sort of like, why is this happening? Why? Why is this happening? But let, us, let not this remove us from the trust of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the reliance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because we will not understand these things completely now. But maybe tomorrow, a year from now, maybe some things we will not know until, you know, we all meet, inshallah, in the ICCP in the sky. We just won't know what those things are. And we have to trust. And we'll, just like you will go on this hajj, and be happy if the other goes on the hajj. Just like when you pray fast in Ramadan and break your fast and we celebrate in Eid. Just like you trust. You know, why would you give up food and drink? Other than health benefits. You know, you can do that healthy stuff but still like have water. But why do you do the Muslim fast? The real hard stuff. 
Because you believe that there's some reward afterwards. Why would you even spend the effort to memorize verses of the Qur'an even though you don't speak the language of Arabic fluently? Because you associate this with something greater than yourself. So that faith also has to accompany our actions when we engage in faith actions. And therefore, inshallah, we protect ourselves from being uh, prone to despair and sort of giving up on the whole thing altogether.